curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're in Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're in Sales podcast. The So You're in Sales podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy, let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Trust has become a very central theme to the So You're in Sales podcast since COVID, and this episode is no different. However, in this instance, I brought in a author and business coach who specializes in working with businesses who are $5 million in revenue and higher. So Doug C. Brown, the author of Win-Win Selling, he's joining me for this particular podcast to look at his perspective from businesses that are maybe a little bit bigger than that which many of us are running and getting a unique look at what's happening at the C-suite in those consulting engagements that Doug has and the way that trust is really evolving and the ways that some activities in business-to-business selling are changing, and then maybe ways that some of those roles are not changing. It's a really interesting conversation. I think that it was really worthwhile. Give it a listen. So thanks for joining me. It is the day after the election. We are all on pins and needles. None of us want to look at social media, but we can't help ourselves. It's like looking at a car accident and... I think for salespeople, you know, Doug, what you and I recognize is that many of us are sitting here knowing that no matter whether one side wins or the other side wins, we still have to do our job tomorrow. I thought it would be a great chance for you and me to peel back, like, what's it sound like on the street? You know, you're invested in a lot of different um, sales teams by work of the coaching and counseling that you do. So you're getting a good chance to hear directly from the field, like, the feedback that all of us are wondering whether or not what we're seeing and hearing is what everybody else is seeing and hearing. So, so thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. You've got so much to offer. You've got such a deep background. I'm really gratified that you take a minute to come on and spend some time with us. Well, thank you, Roger. I mean, it's been a pleasure. Our conversations have been very uh, inspiring on my end too. <laughs> so for, for, for the information you conveyed to me. So thank you. Cool. So November, you know, it's budget season. Most people 
traditionally would have already had their budget done, but I don't know about you. I did a little impromptu poll asking that question of business owners that I know, and I the answers I got were all across the board. But one of the things I found out very uh, distinctly was that a lot of people are just not exactly sure what they want to do from a budget perspective. So what are you hearing? Well, so I'm hearing very, very much the same. But, you know, I mean, if we look at COVID-19, for example, I mean, that's changed everything, right? So, and I think what companies have realized is, um, are two things, really, that employee safety was low Mm -hmm. and that there's going to be economic shocks within a business that they currently thought was not going to be shocked. Right. And (laughs) so... Now I think that company owners or CFOs of major corporations, they need to budget what I would call uh, matching the resources now to their strategy, Mm -hmm. right? So, which really means they need to be able to act and react quickly to pivot because all businesses now will tend to need greater speed and cost control within their budgeting. Right. So, you know, traditionally budgets have been fixed, right? So, um, you know, whether they're quarterly, annually or whatever. And in 2021, uh, that's going to shift. It has to shift. It's got to be more flexible to shift to the resources as the resources are needed because we still don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, that's an opportunity for, you know, salespeople if, you know, they know how to sell on value, right? Because they can create budget a lot easier based on what the frustrations, pains, or uh, challenges are within the, within the company that need to get solved. So many people had 10 years of historic prosperity that there was really not much need to spend time in consideration with respect to the mechanics of your business. Better, faster, more, better, faster, more. If only I had another person here, I could probably sell more, but I don't. So I'm just going to focus on getting the orders that I can out the door and try to be successful doing that all ground to a halt. And regardless of whether you are in first place, middle of the pack or last place, everyone's been returned back to the starting gates. And so by having that opportunity to consider where you may need to remake things should in a lot of ways be able to give you guidance on where you might want to spend your money. But if you're not willing to think about what it is about your business that may have to transform it's going to be really challenging to know what your expenditures would need to be in order to make that transformation so as to budget them in a way that you could have them happen as you reached those thresholds of revenue that would afford you the opportunity to do it. And for me, it's like, I'm not just selling for the number anymore. I'm selling for the evolution so that if I attain the milestone that I've set for myself over an interval that I'm giving myself, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm sustained my business for the next quarter. It means it opens up the opportunity to pull the trigger on whatever I think is the next most important thing for me to do. And I think it gives you a chance to be able to be a little bit more laser focused, if that's the right word, in a time when focus is so hard to come by. That if you know, sort of like, yeah, no, I'm just trying to get to this one thing, because if this one thing happens, then this other thing happens. But then on the other hand, then it's like, okay, so... I I put a number out there that I feel like I can make this happen. There's a lot that we got to go back to the drawing board from a sales team perspective to have those folks know like, all right, it's a new day. How are we attacking 
this new set of circumstances in a way that we can feel confident that our sales efforts are going to be successful. You have such a strong background in training. Like, Where do you see the elements of a program like this that you would want to deliver to your first-line salespeople? Like, Where should we be looking for the hints on trying to craft that for them? Short, quick duration efforts that yield high activity, right? Yeah. So a, a lot of times people are trying to focus on long, right? Now, it's great to plan long, but in times like this, it's about generation of uh, quick income, right? And so a lot of times salespeople have these things sitting and they're just there and they don't realize them. Like, you know, they're not using, let's say dormant, uh, trying to reactivate dormant past clients or using referrals with current clients or, or setting up a, a, a place where they've got to do, let's say, you know, in the old days you would do 20 door knocks and then you would do 20 phone calls and 20 follow-ups. Right. Um, or, you know, and you, you want to continue to keep doing that. So a lot of quick short duration activities that are going to yield immediate activities uh, that are going to yield immediate results for you. And if they're going to focus on training in, uh, in one area, process would be the first place today. The reason for process is that usually that's where a lot of the bleed comes out, right? So, uh, and people aren't following up because there's no process to follow up and things like right. that. The uh, process skills and mindset would be the one, two, three, if you will, of how I would train somebody. A lot of times, you know, everyone's looking for the silver bullet. You know, we have this conversation all the time. We're not going to bore people with the silver bullet discussion. But what <laughs> we want you to recognize is if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing on Tuesday, it's probably a bad situation, right? You, you should be looking for a new job. But if we know that maybe what we used to do on a Tuesday in the 2020 that you described maybe isn't going to fly the way it did before, perfect opportunity for us to be thinking about now, what does that mix look like? And if it's not 2020 or if it's not door knocks, uh, phone calls and follow-ups, what is it? Hmm. As if you don't know what it is, everyone's going to just keep doing what they've already been doing. And I think it's clear to all of us that there's no like trust continuum that we always talk about and it's become almost cliche because we all accept it to be true is become increasingly important because to me, from an activity perspective, the first thing you need to be focused on is how do I increase the level of trustworthiness for my organization with this prospect? Because yeah. if I start from anywhere other than that, I run the risk of not just making a mistake, but getting a black eye with that prospect in a way that maybe unlike in the past when I could stub my toe and get away with it. You do that now, people have a tendency to get hostile. Sure, yeah, and, and so process around that, what is the consistent duplicatable process, or as they say in Canada, process, or process. Europe, right? <laughs> so talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, you know, without a, a sustainable, duplicatable process, then the brand positioning is varied. Right. And so if one salesperson is working an account and then, you know, they leave the company for whatever reason, uh, then the other person picking it up, if they're a totally different process, right. Right. That, that can break rapport and rapport as you're saying is critical. Vitally um, important right now, vitally important. And, and to your point, the messaging of the organization and its delivery have to be congruent. They have to be the same. Because if not, it creates dissonance on the part of the person on the opposite end of the transaction. And it makes them feel like 
is someone being dishonest here? Is there something awry that I need to be on guard against because it doesn't look and feel and sound and taste like I'm used to it? Absolutely. And there's a drop in buying confidence at that point. So fear is going up and buying confidence is going down because they, they feel like somebody's being dishonest, even if they're not. Yeah. Yeah. So let's stay there, right? Because honesty is an important topic. I, I've, I can't stress the necessity of trustworthiness more than ever today that to people that we're coming into contact with. The hard part sometimes is I think that salespeople don't have a solid handle on what's going on on the other side of the table, right? Mm -hmm. We're trying to move people down funnel. If your organization is doing a good job marketing, it's getting you top of funnel activity, but it's our responsibility now to be moving people down that funnel. And you're talking about process. Do you think the process of down funnel movement from a sales organization has changed post COVID or is it roughly the same, just maybe employed slightly differently? Uh, I believe it's the same. It's, you know, we're still selling to people (laughs) and I don't, I don't think in a year people have really shifted. I think they're, um, you know, because of COVID certain things have shifted within the process of, of doing all this, but I, you know, people still want to buy from people they like, know, trust, and, you know, can solve their problems, uh, you know, effectively and efficiently, but I don't think that part's changed at all. I'm, I mean, the buying process is starting to change from yeah. the buyer's perspective. Yeah. I'm standing at the threshold and I'd like you to invite me in. Mm-hmm. I think the best way to do that today is to express to the person on the other side of the transaction that that's your intent. Because if you haven't made it clear to them that this is the moment that you would like them to make a buying decision, that's when things start to get a little dicey. I may not be on the buyer side of this discussion ready for you to do that to me. So I better damn well start by asking you if you're meeting me in that moment when that's the case. Because if you're not, and I start... I may not be able to back up the train in a way that can save the deal. Sure. And that's the worst because if your pipeline has dried up a little bit, which I'm guessing some of us have not quite as robust pipelines as we used to have. If we make that mistake, our closing percentages are going to plummet to the point where this is going to get really scary. And if it gets to that place, we, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this. Prospecting is the key, right? I mean, it's because when a salesperson, anybody's selling, whether they're titled a salesperson or the CEO of the company, whatever, when they feel scarcity, they're going to start to position differently. So an objection that comes forth, they're now reacting emotionally because they're in scarcity. It's not about the objection anymore. It's about winning. Correct. And so people get into these metaphorical arm locks over, you know, small issues that should have, shouldn't have happened and wouldn't have happened if they were in more of an abundance place where they had, you know, ample amount of leads coming through. Isn't that always the case? You grip that stick just a little bit harder when you haven't scored in a while, right? That's true. (laughs) That's true. As a way of uh, working in a counterintuitive kind of way, make you sound a little bit more desperate. Desperation is the last thing a salesperson needs. Oh, gosh. And, you know, I mean, that's when they start to sense whether you're being honest or not. They start to sense that a person can, you know, has something up their sleeve, so to speak, right? So, I mean, honesty and transparency today, it's so much more important than it has been in the past. I mean, it was always important, but now, I mean, there are just so many choices that people can have from the buying side that you you don't have to differentiate anymore. You have to be different in honesty and, and doing what you say and being reliable and follow that good stuff. 
it's it's more important today than than ever before because as you said uh, you know coming on um you know times have shifted and things aren't as abundant as they used to be <laughs> and uh you, you used a really good word there right so from differentiation you you need to be demonstrably different and mm-hmm. You need to be defensively different. If you've not given someone the opportunity to be able to find where they can defend why they've chosen you when you're not around, it's a mistake because no matter what happens, they're going to return to their peer community and someone's going to question the validity of their decision-making in a moment when they're desperate for validation for their decision-making to be seen as correct. So, you don't give that person something that they can defend why they chose you to that person. You might get a transaction, but the likelihood that you're going to be able to continue that relationship with them is going to be incumbent upon the amount of time you personally invest in them. And time is the most scarce resource we have at the moment. So by giving people the opportunity to have that confidence built independent of this person to person piece of what goes on, you're really giving yourself the best chance for them to be able to defend why you're different, right? I, I agree with that. And, and it, adding to that, if you're taking care of these people, let's say they are the influencer, right? They're not the true decision maker and they got to go back to the decision maker. Right. I mean, firstly, you should have been talking to both of them, <laughs> right? Um, but sometimes that doesn't happen. You think you, you've got what you need. But you better have great rapport with that person because, as you said, they, they need to stand up and defend. Uh, and, and they won't do that if they don't have that feeling like you have their you know, back, their front, their sides. And I can trust them. I can yeah. trust them so I'm willing to give them the money. And if you've not given yourself that chance, then don't be surprised if your pipeline will not be robust enough to support your sales efforts in the period going forward. It's, it's just straight math. It's a new variable in the equation, but sales never stop being a math game. We're just, what we realize now is this equation that I reference in my book that I borrowed from Dr. Stephen M. R. Covey, not Dr. Stephen Covey, his son, in the book, The Speed of Trust. And it's strategy multiplied by execution raised to the level of trust is what gives actual results, the best results. Because you can have a great strategy and really be executing it on on it well, but if the people who are doing it don't trust one another or the people you're doing it for don't trust you, then you just won't be able to move as quickly as an organization who may have a slightly less good strategy and maybe not even executing on it as well as you are, but they've earned the trust of the person And this is what usually feels like when you're back in the office and wondering why you lost a deal. And it was like, I just, I feel like I didn't do something. And that like, I should have gotten that one, but I don't really get why. And I can't really put my finger on it. And most of the time, it's that part of the equation that you didn't invest in sufficiently to give yourself the chance to have your strategy and your execution gains outperform somebody who's competing for your business. And if you're losing a sale and you don't know why, you better ask why. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and as you said, trust, so important. Um, you know, I love Steve Covey, uh, the, the late Steve Covey. I, I loved his material. Um, super guy. Uh, have been in his company before. And, you know, if you're looking, if you don't have that trust, forget referrals. They're not going to happen. 
Right. You know, um, you've got to have the trust. Now, if you have such high trust and you take care of your client, you have a moral obligation to serve them no matter what, then, you know, now you can get five referrals, 10 referrals from, from people. It's the most vital time in our recent history to have a good referral engine doing that work for you in a way that could potentially sustain your business going forward. So if you're not creating that opportunity for that engine to work in your uh, behalf, then there might be where you want to spend some time talking to the people who already do business with you and finding out what might be necessary for them to want to bring their friends and people that they care about to your door as well, right? So there's a lot of ways that people can make investments in themselves right now as we look to 2021. Doug, what would you suggest would be from a personal development perspective? Where do you think people should spend some time making some investments in their own growth? Prospecting. Number one, right? I mean, I mean, here's the deal. The, most, the master prospector will always outsell the master close. Uh, I have been doing this now for... Hate to say how long, right? Uh, it's been almost 50 years, but sure. I have not seen, you know, and I've worked with some great closers, but the challenge is if they don't have the volume coming through, that master prospector will outsell them every single time. Yep. So, so prospecting is more important now than ever because a lot of people are pulling back on it. Right. So now the time is to put the pedal down on it and really get out there and have a half dozen to 10, 12 different ways that you can bring them in, whether it's direct response or whether it is, you know, even branding uh, over time. Play the long game, but, you know, focus on prospecting. That would be the number one thing. Then the second thing, which we brought up earlier, would be, you know, how do you develop a deeper connection and rapport with your clients? Yeah. Uh, yep. And how do you do it quickly? Yeah. And, you know, something as simple as picking up the phone and asking your buyer how they're doing because of COVID is a great, simple way to show people that you actually care about them. Secondarily, and this is like what you said is so true, Doug, like a lot of people uh, let the air out of their own prospecting tires under the auspices of, well, nobody wants to hear from me right now. And what we're saying is you just said to yourself I haven't built any trust with anyone because they don't want to hear from me. Well, th what the hell? Why haven't you done something to build the kind of trust with someone that when you called during a crisis, that person was like, oh my God, I'm so glad you called me. I'm dealing with this challenge and that challenge. And like more often than not, they just want to tell you what, what it is they're dealing with. And if you do nothing other than show them some empathy or maybe yet you know someone who knows someone who can do something that could potentially help them with their pain. You've gone right up the trustworthy ladder that we were just saying everyone needs to, in order to be successful. So to your point, it's not, it's not a burning building. Stop running away from it. It's a pyramid to climb and you have to commit to making the climb in order to get over whatever obstacles you're perceiving to be in place. And it is not a burning building. Yeah, absolutely not. And, and a lot of times people don't prospect because it's self-inflicted, right? As you were saying just moments ago, you know, they, they, they kind of stopped doing it or whatever. Um, but a lot of times I find that's just kind of rooted in their frames and their fears. Please understand that the people that are buying from you today or want to buy from you are as confused and afraid as most anyone out there. And sometimes their jobs are on the line at this point. And so we have to be far more 
empathetic to the situation that people are in while continuing the mission. So just don't go just directly for the sale. A lot of times they're looking for validation, right? That, that their decisions are correct. Right. Um, and so, you know, you as the selling party can uh, be that validation. And when you do, guess what? Rapport goes up because you're bonding with them and they're going to trust you more. There's that trust word again. So, (laughs) so I've seen some statistics recently that suggest that budgetary dollars on the sales line are in migration from field sales organizations to inside and SDR based kind of environments. Yep. That suggests that the role of the field sales account executive, if you will, is somewhat dinosaurish in its current outlook. Agree or disagree? I disagree. <laughs> give, give it to the people, Doug. Why, why, why do you disagree? <laughs> well, I mean, here's the deal. A lot of companies are pulling back on field salespeople because they feel it's expensive, mm-hmm. right? So they bring them in-house and they're trying to farm and hold on. And the reality is that now's not the time to be sheepish, sheepish about your prospecting activities as a company. You, you want to be out there now driving and driving and driving and putting that pedal down and seeing more people than ever. And how are you going to do that if you just rely on an inside sales force? So that outbound effort is critical to, you know, growth because, you know, okay, look, the economy is, uh, you know, where it is, the COVID-19 is doing what it's doing, you know, people are where it's at, but you know, this too shall pass, right? Everything does. I mean, you think about it, we've been through SARS, MERS, AIDS, uh, 9-11, you know, all kinds of, (laughs) right, right. So, um, and you know, uh, the real estate boom, there's all kinds of banking crashes. So there's all these things that are going to happen, But what will not ever, ever go away is the need for people to want to have people communicating with them. Yeah. And so if if, if you're a company owner and you're relying on your client to call your inside salespeople, which, you know, sometimes inside salespeople, you know, they need to call out. But if if it is the game is, you know, we're relying on the client to call us. Oh man, you're going to see some drops in your overall revenue down the line because your, your sales cycle is, you know, whatever it is, if it's three months, six months, whatever, you're going to start seeing that lull, even when this starts to turn around. Um, And you're really putting the buyer journey directly in the hands of the buyer when sometimes what they really want is somebody to guide them on a tour of what the way to purchase would be by eliminating the opportunity to provide that expertise, you're basically handing over the length of the sales cycle to your customer. And secondarily, you have to be prepared for a much broader set of situations that could occur by the time that buyer on their journey arrives at your door so that the amount of variability in your training that you have to push through to your inside team just explodes, right? Because otherwise they're having to tap dance every single time the phone rings because they don't know exactly what's going to be coming their way based on where these people are in their journey and what they're going to say as a result. So by helping to frame the process and serve somewhat as a guide, what you're actually giving the field sales organization the opportunity to do is to help the hero that is the buyer on the customer side realize whatever it is they're trying to accomplish in the shortest amount of time possible provided, and we'll leave it at this, Doug, provided (laughs) that the team has done the work to be seen as the trustworthy solution, that there are 
evidence out there that people can find that would reinforce that that's the case. And that when you come and talk to them, you look and sound like what they just saw and heard. Right. So you, again, goes back to that consistent process that we actually talked about earlier. And, and, you know, with the having exactly what you just described, the inside salesperson now, they're going to be able to farm that account more effectively. Right. Because if you wait for the buyer to come to us, if I'm speaking to your audience, right? If one waits, then that buyer is probably highly educated at this point or trying to get educated. And so now when they're calling your sales team internally, they're going to get the education and then they're going to hang up the phone and go, Hey, uh, yep, hold on. I'm going to go to the next. Right? <laughs> right. And right. So then what ends up happening is you, the entity with the inside salesperson starts getting commoditized. Everything starts flattening. And so there's no differentiation and there's definitely not a difference. So guess what they revert to price or convenience. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I'm highly, uh, I'll call it bullish probably is the right word, right? About you want active sales teams still doing what they did five years ago, two years ago and going out there and, you know, think of them more if you're a business owner, more as part of what would be considered, you know, marketing, what in sales we would actually call prospecting, right? So um, think of it as a marketing expense and, you know, you, you got to measure it just like you measure any marketing expense and, and see what the ROI is. But uh, I've, I've not seen having an outside sales team ever hurt a company, especially if they're on full commission. Especially if they're on full commission. So there you have it. Take it from the old guys. It's new, but it's not new. It's different, but it's the same. It's still people and people getting together to make a decision about something that will move somebody towards what it is they're trying to accomplish. Doug, if anybody wants to be trained by you to do that, how would they find you? Well, they can go uh, three different ways here. The businesssuccessfactors.com. So that's my website and you can contact me through that. You can call the company direct at 603-595-0303 or Doug at businesssuccessfactors.com will come directly to me. Um, and I guess the fourth way is if uh, I wrote a book um, on the psychology and uh, practicality of resolving objections. So winwinsellingbook.com as well. will get you there. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Doug. I appreciate it, man. I knew you'd bring the goods. And I knew that we sometimes we need to be reminded that it's not so different after all. So thanks for coming in and yep. level that and everybody and get them back to work making those prospecting calls. Thank you, Roger, for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. It's crazy to me how often the topic of trust just continues to reveal itself as being of critical importance at this important juncture in most of our sales careers. You know, no matter who we seem to bring on the show, there's always the concept of trust hovering somewhere behind what everyone has to say. So for those of you who are responsible for growing the revenue line for your organization, I hope that you found some value in that conversation. You know, he's talking about the metaphorical arm locks created by a scarcity mentality and the whole idea of desperation, I'm sure is something that many of us are 
are dealing with right now as we are in the middle of November. We're making the push towards the end of the year, and everybody's trying to do the best they possibly can to get as close to the number as they possibly can. I even know some people who are having record sales years who are just crushing it this year because of the sum of the PPE that they've been able to sell. So you really don't know where people are on the continuum of success in 2020, but we know that trust is playing a critical role in it. So I hope, as I said, you got some value from this. And if there's anything that you feel like somebody else might benefit from hearing, please share the episode around and let's try to continue to grow the subscriber base. When we get to... A certain number of five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, 50 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. It unlocks some new things in the algorithm that will allow us to bring some new and exciting content to you. So continue to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts, and we look forward to bringing you the same high-quality content in two weeks. Thanks.